Part One of Ingersoll on Abraham Lincoln from the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume Three, Lecture Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in February 2020. Lecture 3, Abraham Lincoln, Part 1 On the 12th of February, 1809, two babes were born, one in the woods of Kentucky amid the hardships and poverty of pioneers, one in England surrounded by wealth and culture. One was educated in the University of Nature, the other at Cambridge. One associated his name with the enfranchisement of labor, with the emancipation of millions, with the salvation of the Republic. He is known to us as Abraham Lincoln. The other broke the chains of superstition and filled the world with intellectual light, and he is known as Charles Darwin. Nothing is grander than to break chains from the bodies of men, nothing nobler than to destroy the phantoms of the soul. Because of these two men, the 19th century is illustrious. A few men and women made a nation glorious. Shakespeare made England immortal. Voltaire civilized and humanized France. Goethe, Schiller, and Humboldt lifted Germany into the light. Angelo, Raphael, Galileo, and Bruno crowned with fadeless laurel the Italian brow. And now the most precious treasure of the great republic is the memory of Abraham Lincoln. Every generation has its heroes, its iconoclasts, its pioneers, its ideals. The people always have been and still are divided, at least into classes. The many who, with their backs to the sunrise, worship the past, and the few who keep their faces toward the dawn. The many who are satisfied with the world as it is, the few who labor and suffer for the future for those to be, and who seek to rescue the oppressed, to destroy the cruel distinctions of caste, and to civilize mankind. Yet it sometimes happens that the liberator of one age becomes the oppressor of the next. His reputation becomes so great, he is so revered and worshipped, that his followers in his name attack the hero who endeavors to take another step in advance. The heroes of the revolution, forgetting the justice for which they fought, put chains upon the limbs of others, and in their names the lovers of liberty were denounced as ingrates and traitors. During the revolution, our fathers, to justify their rebellion, dug down to the bedrock of human rights and planted their standard there. They declared that all men were entitled to liberty and that government derived its power from the consent of the governed. But when victory came, the great principles were forgotten and chains were put upon the limbs of men. Both of the great political parties were controlled by greed and selfishness. Both were the defenders and the protectors of slavery. For nearly three-quarters of a century, these parties had control of the Republic. The principal object of both parties was the protection of the infamous institution. 
both were eager to secure the southern vote and both sacrificed principle and honor upon the altar of success at last the whig party died and the republican was born this party was opposed to the further extension of slavery the democratic party of the south wished to make the divine institution national while the democrats of the north wanted the question decided by each territory for itself each of these parties had conservatives and extremists the extremists of the democratic party were in the rear and wished to go back the extremists of the republican party were in the front and wished to go forward the extreme democrat was willing to destroy the union for the sake of slavery and the extreme republican was willing to destroy the union for the sake of liberty neither party could succeed without the votes of its extremists this was the condition in eighteen fifty eight through sixty when lincoln was a child his parents removed from kentucky to indiana a few trees were felled a log hut opened to the south no floor no window was built a little land ploughed and here the lincolns lived here the patient thoughtful silent loving mother died died in the wide forest as a leaf dies leaving nothing to her son but the memory of her love in a few years the family moved to illinois lincoln then almost grown clad in skins with no woven stitch upon his body walking and driving the cattle another farm was opened a few acres subdued and enough raised to keep the wolf from the door lincoln quit the farm went down the ohio and mississippi as a hand on a flatboat afterward clerked in a country store then in partnership with another bought the store failed nothing left but a few debts learned the art of surveying made about half a living and paid something on the debts read law admitted to the bar tried a few small cases nominated for the legislature and made a speech the speech was in favor of a tariff not only for revenue but to encourage american manufacturers and to protect american workingmen lincoln knew then as well as we do now that everything to the limits of the possible that americans use should be produced by the energy skill and ingenuity of americans he knew that the more industries we had the greater variety of things we made the greater would be the development of the american brain and he knew that great men and great women are the best things that a nation can produce the finest crop a country can possibly raise he knew that a nation that sells raw material will grow ignorant and poor while the people who manufacture will grow intelligent and rich to dig to chop to plough requires more muscle than mind more strength than thought to invent to manufacture to take advantage of the forces of nature this requires thought talent genius this develops the brain and gives wings to the imagination it is better for americans to purchase from americans even if the things purchased cost more if we purchase a ton of steel rails from england for twenty dollars then we have the rails and england has the money but if we buy a ton of steel rails from an american for twenty five dollars then america has both the rails and the money 
Judging from the present universal depression and the recent elections, Lincoln, in his first speech, stood on solid rock and was absolutely right. Lincoln was educated in the University of Nature, educated by cloud and star, by field and winding stream, by billowed plains and solemn forests, by morning's birth and death of day, by storm and night, by the ever-eager spring, by summer's wealth of leaf and vine and flower, the sad and transient glories of the autumn woods, and winter, builder of home and fireside, and whose storms without create the social warmth within. He was perfectly acquainted with the political questions of the day, heard them discussed at taverns and country stores, at voting places and courts, and on the stump. He knew all the arguments for and against, and no man of his time was better equipped for intellectual conflict. He knew the average mind, the thoughts of the people, the hopes and prejudices of his fellow men. He had the power of accurate statement. He was logical, candid, and sincere. In addition, he had the touch of nature that makes the whole world kin. In 1858, he was a candidate for the Senate against Stephen A. Douglas. The extreme Democrats would not vote for Douglas, but the extreme Republicans did vote for Lincoln. Lincoln occupied the middle ground and was the compromise candidate of his own party. He had lived for many years in the intellectual territory of compromise in a part of our country settled by northern and southern men, where northern and southern ideas met, and the ideas of the two sections were brought together and compared. The sympathies of Lincoln, his ties of kindred, were with the South. His convictions, his sense of justice, and his ideals were with the North. He knew the horrors of slavery, and he felt the unspeakable ecstasies and glories of freedom. He had the kindness, the gentleness of true greatness, and he could not have been a master. He had the manhood and independence of true greatness, and he could not have been a slave. He was just and was incapable of putting a burden upon others that he himself would not willingly bear. He was merciful and profound, and it was not necessary for him to read the history of the world to know that liberty and slavery could not live in the same nation or in the same brain. Lincoln was a statesman, and there is this difference between a politician and a statesman. A politician schemes and works in every way to make the people do something for him. A statesman wishes to do something for the people. With him, place and power are means to an end, and the end is the good of his country. In this campaign, Lincoln demonstrated three things. First, that he was the intellectual superior of his opponent. Second, that he was right and third, that a majority of the voters of Illinois were on his side. End of Part 1